0: Welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. Welcome back, everybody. This is Josh, your host, and I've got another main event fight for you guys this week. Uh, I wasn't around last week, too busy working on my spreadsheets. We might talk about a couple of the, the things that I've been figuring out with those, but mostly we hope to... Duke It Out with Mitch Sorensen from the Dynasty Theory podcast who's come by to put up a good fight on a couple of these players that we've been uh, disagreeing on. So I challenged him to come on down here and he took me up on it and here he is. Welcome.
1: Hey, thanks. I'm ready to do this. This is, you know, the guys that we're talking about. They're definitely hot buttons on Twitter right now if you bring up either of them. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah, we're almost too late, but I had to give I had to give mm-hmm. him some time to
0: do the research so he'd be ready for this fight. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure at least on these players he's already done that because he was talking about these guys a month ago, as was I for my guy. Enough of that. We're gonna dive mostly into it, but we're gonna lead into it first because. There's been a few things floating around, a couple podcasts by some big names. Uh, J.J. Zacharyson's Late Round Podcast, who I'm still jealous you've had him on your podcast. And a couple observations I made of my own. And I kind of posited a question to the uh, the Fusion group the other day. And I was like, guys, is is Zero running back really dead? I mean, we talk about how, oh yeah, it's definitely dead because everyone knows now that robust RB or whatever you wanna call it is is the way to go because those top end running backs are so much better and the wide receivers are all flat. But I was looking at it and maybe zero RB is mostly dead, but maybe we shouldn't be just automatically going running back and running back. And if anyone who's hearing this knows me, they know. I've been a running back, running back, zero wide receiver guy in years past, so I don't care. I'm going to go with the winning play and try to be adaptable. What do you think, Mitch? Is
1: zero running back dead or not? I think in the minds of everybody, it's dead, especially for a redraft. I think it is. But if you take a step back and look at it, I think grabbing a running back in the first round makes a lot of sense because really the only first-round wide receiver I want, Michael Thomas, but I have a h- hard time talking myself over him, over like Ezekiel Elliott, Derrick Henry, those kind of guys. But once you get past Michael Thomas and you start to go to those second-round running backs to where you're getting the Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs and guys like that, I would much rather have Tyreek Hill or Devonte Adams than any of those guys. So more than likely I'm going to get a running back in the first round. But as far as the second, third, and fourth rounds when you could get Galladay and Beckham and guys like that, I would rather have them and then pick up some of those later round running backs.
0: Yeah, and that's what J.J. Zachary was talking about on his podcast. He was, he was kind of pointing out that the win rates for these teams really are best when They do have some solid wide receivers. And even though you're right, the differentiation isn't really there at the top. So maybe you don't take one of the top six even ten but you still want some really good consistent points from those wide receivers then they really actually kind of help stabilize your team because as much as we want to hit on these running backs that scroll the points it's still a very um uncertain position because of injuries because i mean just overall team situation they're so game script dependent and so on touchdown dependent that running backs we don't think are going to do anything we often find having good years and sometimes the guys we were counting on it could be injury could be team sometimes they don't do nearly as well as we thought I was looking at the ADPs and um average points in the past not going to get in the details but I did discover some real hard like objective evidence for this to show that the wide receivers uh that basically the 10th wide receiver through the 20th yeah r- roughly those guys have a decent shot at not just scoring solid points we're talking only about 40 or 50 less than the ones but they're also outscoring their their position where you're taking them in the draft compared to where those players what those players score when you look back at the end of the season. And so there's a place for value and it, and it makes sense. And by the same metric, that's what, you know, tells us to, to wait on quarterbacks. So it's the same idea and I'm applying the same thing and I'm looking at it. So at what point do you say we're past? I'm I'm looking at the running backs, Mitch. Let's say you've got, I'm not even going to give you a pick. I'm just going to say, who's that top tier and maybe if you want to split it up into a couple of tiers, that's fine. But I want to know the top group of running backs that you're confident in being your first and main running back, and maybe your only one for a
1: few more rounds. So it's actually really short. I want McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara, or Elliott. And I it flips on me every day whether I want Chubb in that group or not. Chubb is really close, but I really worry about Kareem Hunt because of his usage when he came back after suspension last year. But those guys, without a doubt, then everyone else, I kind of have to tell myself a story each time. I'm like, I really like Miles Sanders, but they could also sign someone and it could, you know, take half of his carries away. You look at someone like Joe Mixon. I really like Joe Mixon. But he's also never really done it consistently. He has these really good pop-off games. He's started a lot of games with not a lot of injuries. But he hasn't given you that really productive season yet that you want to see from, like an Ezekiel Elliott, someone that you're going to take in the first two rounds. So those are the guys that I'm completely okay with the running back. And I think that's why they're going in the, you know, the top six, seven picks of every single draft.
0: Yeah, my, my four are the same... I think I have five or six though. Um, I would definitely Mm -hmm. put Dalvin cook in there and I know we're all worried about his, he hasn't finished seasons came pretty close last year. Um, I just kind of feel like it's a risk, but it's one of those things where if it hits, you can possibly likely win your league kind of, kind of things. And so I, I, I never, I try not to play scared in that sense. So I'm, I was a little bit more willing to take Fournette these past couple years, and I will be again this year um, because I want a player who has the upside. So if if it does work out, I'm going to win the league. But if if it doesn't work out, then I'm just going to lose anyway, which is, is probably what's just going to happen if I, if I go with somebody else anyway. So I might mm-hmm. as well take the one that's going to give me the shot. That kind of uh, – it's a little bit of – I guess it's more of a DFS mindset, even though I hardly – play DFS, but I kind of have learned that from them. If that makes sense, I've tried to at
1: least. Yeah. Dalvin, I should have mentioned Dalvin. Dalvin is definitely on that list for me, okay. but my biggest worry with Fournette is we know they've tried to trade him during the off season, Right. And we know that he's just punched people in the middle of the game and been suspended before. So we know he has that mentality. And if there is a running back who we can name that could be traded you know, by the trade deadline this year, Fournette's name is going to be at the top of that list every single time. And my biggest worry with him is he ends up, you know, Jacksonville's two and six by the time that happens, and they send him off for a seventh-round pick to someone, you know, who has an injury at running back. So that's my big – like, Fournette definitely has, the workload-wise, he has everything you want if you just look at your projections and he's like – He's going to pop on all of them, but he's also a guy who could be on a different team in October.
0: Yeah. And Fournette is not one of those top guys for me, but he is probably, he's the highest upside of the kind of the next group. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as those top guys, I guess the one that I'm kind of uncertain of if he's the sixth or not would be Derrick Henry. Um, And again, this is just for a 2020 redraft. So I'm not really worried about Fournette's contract next season, that kind of thing. When I'm thinking about this right here, but I know we we usually do play Dynasty. We are going to get there. But I just want to propose this idea. So let's say you've got a top six pick. And you're able to take for sure one of these top six Or uh, running backs. Let's say you get Dalvin Cook with the 106 even. Easily. Even though he's probably be my fourth or fifth in that list. At that point it comes back around... And you've got your pick of wide receivers. So I'm gonna go wide receiver again, maybe get, I don't know in that range, you can probably get at least a Mike Evans, maybe a Galladay. Um I'm really high on Galladay this year. As some people have heard mm-hmm. me. Um then it comes back around. You can hit up another, I don't know, Thielen, Cup, Ridley, maybe, Allen Robinson, that group of guys, you got those two. That's pretty sweet. It comes back to you with your your fourth pick right 406 and now you got all kinds of options and if this is a super flex or two quarterback league this is a great spot to take your first quarterback if it's tight end premium you can you can maybe eye it and see what you got you probably could have looked at it in the third if it's good enough premium and if good enough options are there Um, or you can just take another wide receiver but then when it comes back around to the fifth and sixth what do we have for running backs there and this is i was in a situation similar to this and that's kind of what happened to me it was actually more at the i think it was at the 110 position but it was very similar and i still was able to get in the sixth seventh and eighth i was able to get kareem hunt burrita and cam Akers. and i was looking at those names and then right before that i think Gurley had gone in the middle of the fourth. So in our scenario, Gurley could be there in the fourth. Um, You get into the fifth and you're still looking at Chris Carson's falling, right? You're looking at maybe David Montgomery's falling, David Johnson, Mark Ingram, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is probably by the time we get, he's probably not going to be there anymore. At the moment, he still is because because the rookie hype in the dynasty and the redraft guys are still kind of transitioning right now. But I say um, right here, running back 24, according to FFPC. I mean, uh, sorry, not FFPC, fantasy football calculator, FFC, too many acronyms flowing around. James Conner. And that seems to be the line for me. Like after, from James Conner on, you can get any one of those guys from the fifth run and later. So, if I have a, how, how confident are you in a team where you've got Dalvin Cook, Galladay, Ridley, maybe you win another one. Went um, let's say Debo or DK Metcalf in the fourth, and now you're grabbing one of those one of those group. You got Connor Geis, Marlon Mack, Cream Hunt. Sometimes one of the rookies are at the top end of that. Sony Michel, Raheem Mostart. Damian Williams, and then you've got the rookies, Dobbins, Akers, Vaughn in there. And I think the end of that group to me is like Matt Brita. So if you can just knock out a bunch of running backs after that.
1: How are you feeling about that team, Mitch? So those are my favorite teams. So I haven't done hardly any redraft. But even dynasty in mind, those are the teams that I find myself liking the most is when between the second and fifth round, I could get three really good wide receivers. And then you could still get James Conner. If he stays healthy, he has what top six upside if he stays healthy per game, at least. Yeah, because the Steelers, as much as they, you know, kind of had a little bit of a committee last year, we know they love having the main guy. They're a team to where if James Conner is running hot, they're going to keep him in the game. They're not going to worry about Benny Stell or McFarland or anything like that. James Conner is just going to be the guy. And I know you might have to talked to me about this Matt Breida stuff because I don't understand how he's going three to four rounds higher than Jordan Howard because I would rather have Jordan Howard straight up over Matt Breida, and it's not even a question for me. I mean, Matt Breida, I don't like holding injuries against guys. But there's some guys who just have injuries every single year, and Matt Breida is that guy. To where Jordan Howard, you know, he got banged up last year, but he's always been pretty healthy. He's not going to give you the passing upside, but I think he's going to lead Miami in rushing volume.
0: Yeah, with Breida, um, I think the reason he was having the injury issues was when he was getting overworked because no one else was left. And he was those guys when he had his big season. And it was hilarious because it seemed like every week, um, the alert came through on your phone earlier, each game that oh breed is hurt. And everyone like, Oh, and then, oh no, he's back in the game. And then yep. every, every week it came a little sooner and a little sooner in the game. And I think that was just a more, I think it was just over usage to be honest. Um, I, I think, how they can use him if they use him properly. Yes, it's in a committee with Jordan Howard. I agree Howard will have more of the carries. I envision a very similar situation to the Eagles last year. I think the Dolphins looked at how they used Jordan Howard and, and Miles Sanders in Philadelphia last year. And the Dolphins are saying, OK, that's fine. We can do a you know discount version of that just fine. And I'll take discount Miles Sanders targets. And that team is likely going to need someone like that, particularly if they get behind in games. So um, if it, unless I know for sure that the, the, the lead, quote-unquote, lead back, like Jordan Howard, is just getting a lot of touchdown opportunity in particular, and he's going to get mixed in for some of the receiving work like Melvin Gordon had in the past, even though Eckler was there. Uh, except for those situations... If it comes down between just the grinder and the receiver back, I want the receiver because the targets are more valuable. So that's, that in my mind, that, that's why I still want Brita instead.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. But that four-round difference is crazy to me. Like, I don't think there's a four-round difference in the what the final scoring will be at the end of the year. I agree. Jordan Howard should be higher.
0: I don't think Brita should be lower. I just think Howard no, I should agree with be that. higher. Yeah. He should be up r- maybe right behind Madison, And that's, Mm -hmm. I mean, I could see him above. Philip Lindsay should not be that high. Ronald Jones shouldn't be that high. There's a lot of names in here that are also going to fall down, and these guys are going to move up, I think. But there's two names in there we did talk about and we mentioned, and they were the rookies. Cam Akers, Keyshawn Vaughn. And you can get them, what, 11th? Uh, I think I took Akers... That I kind of I thought maybe I was reaching for him, but then Vaughn didn't go to like the tenth. So eighth, ninth, tenth. These guys are going there, and in my mind, even though in Dynasty right now, these two guys are generally you'd agree, even though we disagree with the consensus. Both of us in this case, right? Generally, J.K. Dobbins is going ahead of both of them in Dynasty rookie drafts. And quite often, Swift is going ahead of Akers, but almost definitely ahead of Mm Vaughn. And so this is a case where I think for redraft, it's possibly, I think it should be swapped. And so we want to both, we're both pretty passionate about these guys. Now, my guy's Cam Akers. He was my third running back in this class going into the draft and nothing changed because I love his landing spot. And you've been one of the loudest voices you'll hear that I've heard on Twitter uh, very quickly shouting from the
1: hilltops no matter what, Keyshawn Vaughn. No matter what. Grab him in every league. And I've tried. I mean, I have him in so many dynasty leagues now that I mean, I'm almost approaching 50 percent share, which is pretty big because I have like 35 teams. So I have over like 16 shares of him at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like it's a lot, but 50% of any player is actually quite a bit when you think about how many variables there are, whether you even have picks and so on and so forth. So to even get that high is pretty high. There's not a lot of players I usually have gotten even over 30%, um, even when I have those guys I love. So those are the guys we want to talk about to today. We've had our introduction. We've I've, I've kind of butted you up a little bit and and hopefully... I can catch you off guard now. We're going to go into the fight now. Sounds good. The listeners may or may not know our fights. No, they're they're not debates. They're fights. This isn't, you know, you get to go and I get to. No, we just are just going to go at it. If you want to interrupt me, you got a point. Wave your arms around. Talk louder than me. Whatever it takes. Um, Insults are encouraged. This is it. Let's do this.
1: Football fight.
0: Now today's main event is special because as much as I say there's no structure, we're going to have a little bit of structure this time because this, we're going to have a three rounder here tonight. So round one is going to be Keyshawn Vaughn. We're going to be able to debate the merits of just Keyshawn Vaughn, just the player, not in comparison anything else, just the merits for and against Keyshawn Vaughn. Round two we're going to do the same thing for cam acres for and against round threes is where the fight really happens head to head vaughn or acres are you ready mitch oh i'm ready okay let's go round one Keyshawn vaughn man i liked him going in but uh i don't i i can't be as high as you are so tell me why you think Keyshawn's vaughn even better than I already thought he was. So this whole debate, by the way, is gonna be a little hard for me because I like Keyshawn Vaughn. I just don't like as much as Akers. But sell me on the points that actually is gonna make Acres I mean Vaughn better than Acres.
1: Okay, so I'll just bring up Vaughn now. We're we'll worried about bashing Acres later, no big yeah, deal yeah, there. Yeah. Right. But they not. But one thing with Vaughn is So he played two years at Vanderbilt. We have to keep in mind this was at Vanderbilt in the SEC. He put up 2,200 yards, rushing 21 touchdowns, 40 receptions, 400 more receiving yards. And that's in his two years at Vanderbilt. Which you're like, those are all right. But you have to remember, it's in the SEC that he's doing this. And when you actually go and you break down his profile – and I'll be the first one to admit I'm not the best college scout there is. So I get a lot of my information from Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, uh, the draft network guys. They've been awesome. And when you actually look at his profile, he does everything really well. He isn't elite at really anything. He, his speeds for five, um, like the biggest critique that he has is like his change of pace. He's not, You know, once he gets going, he's fine, but he's not really, he's not DeAndre Swift going through holes pretty much. But so the big thing about him coming out is, you know, he's just going to be, he's a good back. We don't have to worry about him not excelling or anything like that. He's going to be okay. But the biggest thing that got me onto him, and this is, it's a coach speak, but there's actually some, you know, substance behind this. So I'm just going to read it real quick. So this is from Bruce Arians. So this was before the draft. He said, this is about running backs. You can see them all run. I want to see them catch. In college football, they don't have a lot of pass blocking. So that's always a big step for them. Can they be a receiver? That separates guys from having to come off the field. I had Christian Okoye, who led the league, but never played on third round. Adrian James never came off the field. Marshall Falk never came off the field. And for me, I'm looking for that kind of guy. So what that immediately tells me is he doesn't believe Ronald Jones is that guy. And we already know Darius isn't that guy either. So he was going into the draft looking for that guy. And then he goes and spends third round capital on Keyshawn Vaughn. That tells me that he has some faith in Keyshawn Vaughn becoming that guy. And that's the biggest reason to why I moved him up. And then we'll go into a little bit later. But Tom Brady being there is another huge reason as well.
0: All right, you're not really impressing me so far. I've heard um he's a decent, he's not that fast. He's not, I mean, so what? He just put up a bunch of yards and a bunch of stuff, and now he's in a good situation. So mostly what I hear, and like I said, I think he's a solid running back. He had decent numbers. He was, I mean, according, my, my pre-draft stuff, I don't, I can't really go by because it's made to then, be completed by the NFL draft. I don't try and do pre-draft ranks that predict what they're going to be after the draft. I intentionally build it in such a way that it now needs the last piece, which is draft capital. But I still add him like sixth running back. Even then, why do you think it's going to be different with Keyshawn Vaughn as a rookie? Because even though you just listed a bunch of situations for Aaron, uh, Coach Arians, right? Mm-hmm. That he had these guys that he kept in there. He kept in there. He also had one that he kept in there all the time named David Johnson, right? hmm And we all agree, David Johnson, pretty good running back, right? Right. And when David Johnson came into the, into the, into the league, he didn't... He wasn't that guy. You know, it's because what we've heard, known about Aaron he's, he's also one of these make-the-rookie-earn-it guys. So how do you put those two narratives together that, you know, Aaron's wants, this guy's going to be the guy every down along with Aaron's is the guy saying that we want to ease him into it. Cause we, he said those words about David Johnson. We want to ease him into it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. the big thing is all these rookies are going to have issues coming into the league this year. I mean, this COVID situation, something that we've never seen as fantasy people before. So, we should already accept that rookies might have an issue gating, you know, a good stronghold on the backfield work, but he's going against Ronald Jones. That's a big thing. Ronald Jones isn't elite. He isn't a good pass catcher. He isn't very good at running. Um, he hardly even saw the field as a rookie himself. And he was already splitting touches with Peyton Barber. You can't tell me that they're not going to be able to split. At worst, with Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn at worst, it would be a split backfield there. And Keyshawn Vaughn is going to be on the field in third downs.
0: Yeah, you're making not gonna it talk- for
1: me, though. You still didn't change anything. Okay. Why didn't I Look, change anything?
0: Because Ronald Jones. Because you, you gave the example of Ronald Jones. How do we know mm-hmm. Ronald Jones? Because, to be honest, he was actually pretty good last year. He didn't get the volume, and the offense was not in any way a good thing for running backs. Okay. So you take those things in consideration. We see we're talking about a thousand yard season. We're talking about pretty good efficiency numbers. He actually has got targets. All right. So the fact that, yes, even Peyton Barber was starting over him as a rookie. Look, I was not on Ronald Jones' train at all. He was the guy who was telling everyone to stay away from as a rookie. Okay. And I've been anti-Ronald Jones for a while. Okay. However... Even I can admit he had a good season and he could come around. How do we know that that's not just more evidence that it's going to take Vaughn time to work in for this coach?
1: He could need to work in. That's that's my whole point here, though. And so we're getting to the whole Akers situation to begin with, but this is going to be Akers versus Vaughn. Vaughn has a better chance of being on the field than Akers does. Change but you know, we'll get to that in a minute. But one thing to really look at as well, and a big reason why I like Vaughn more, is you look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady had, he threw two backs, the second most in the league last year as far as targets go. And that's huge. That's what we want to see out of our running backs. And if you look at someone like the Rams, they threw the second least in the NFL to their running backs. And so when I'm going through and situations are huge to me, definitely talent wise, I wouldn't say Cam Akers is or sorry, I wouldn't say Keyshawn Vaughn is a top five back in this class. But as far as a situation goes, he has top five upside. And what I'm looking for is I want the guy who I could get into later rounds who could end up producing as a third and fourth round guy. And I think Keyshawn Vaughn has a lot easier of a chance than doing that. I mean, we brought up J.K. Dobbins before, right? J.K. Dobbins is going to have to pass Mark Ingram on the depth chart. That's going to be hard to do. And Justice Hill, he's going to have to pass him as well. And you look at a guy like, I mean, we brought him, I thought about a little bit pre-show, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is going to have to fight Marlon Mack to get on the field. And then Naheem Hines is also going to be getting that third down work. And when you look at the Bucks, you can worry about Dare a little bit for third downs, but then it's Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones isn't anyone that you should be scared of another running back coming in and producing over him. That is something that we should be able to expect out of a third round guy. And if he comes in and blows up, You know, then that's on me for having so many shares of him. But I want the guy who could come in and give you that exceeded volume to where you could see that huge jump. I understand that
0: what you're saying that it's it's possible with the 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 volume can be there. Um, I'm just very hesitant to just say that he's absolutely going to be the starter. Um, At least that he's going to be the a, a large majority starter. I do feel like he's going to get a good amount of time because primarily, I think, the pass protection is, I think, uh, a check in his favor because that's something Ronald Jones, even as good of a year as I said he had last year, he didn't have a good year in pass protection. So uh, that that's one area. And then when it comes to Daria Gunbowale, I mean, before, this, before the NFL draft, that was the guy that they were saying they wanted to bring someone in to, to push him, to challenge him. And instead, they got Vaughn. And so it's like, Dara is almost the most stable guy as far as his role. I'm not saying usage, but I'm saying as far as his role, we know who he is. I'm not entirely convinced that just because Tom Brady and James White had James White in New England means that he's going to be throwing this ridiculous number of passes to running backs. You know why? Because he has... Somebody named Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, as receivers out there. Oh, and Gronk too now. So it, to me, as a Patriots fan watching the Patriots, so many times, so much of the time, the targets to the running back were absolutely a part of the offense. But as far as the that percentage that it's been the last couple years, that has been because of the other weapons or lack thereof. And so White had to become a passing weapon even more i don't think with the options that tom brady has now you're going to see that many passes to the running backs
1: i definitely don't think it's going to be you know top five but even the bucks threw the 13th most to running backs last year as well as far as targets go and i don't see it going down at all that's something that you know tom brady it's not he still throws fine for the deep ball. His deep ball is still okay. But he is a smart enough quarterback to know when to dump it off because he can't take the risk that Jameis Winston took last year and get sacked you know, 30 or 40 times. He's going to end up dropping it off early to keep himself healthy. And so that's a huge reason why if it end, ends up not being Keyshawn Vaughn, I end up wanting to have that receiving back on the Bucks for that reason. Just like how you brought up you know, Matt Breida, earlier about how you want to have that passing upside. Um, Tom Brady is just going to want that dump off each time. And it might end up being Gronk, except for I honestly don't think Gronk is going to be healthy the whole year. I don't see how it's possible. He's going to be healthy the whole year. And so I definitely want whoever the receiving back is. I want them. And I think the highest likelihood is going to be Keyshawn Bond.
0: All right. He's got to be in there to, to have a chance at it. So, He's got a pretty good shot. All right. So there we, we've we heard the situation, a lot of uh, landing spot situation dependent arguments. Um, didn't give me much for him as far as college and so on. That's all right. That's okay. I'm going to call it there. We're going to move on to Acres. All right. So the thing for Acres is right off the bat, when we went to Vaughn, you went to well he's you know he's not the fastest guy he's he's okay look Akers is a prime athlete all right he I, I did you see the tweet where like Michael Thomas uh was complimenting because he played him in like high school and Cam Akers was playing I believe like quarterback right and he says he juked him and took him to the house, like jumped over him or something. All right. So, I mean, that's when game recognizes game. I You got to respect it. The, Michael Thomas is looking back at this guy saying, yeah, he's special. And he is. He's got all of the athletics. So we're going to say that and we're going to move on. I'm not going to get on to all the numbers, but it's up there. He was right behind uh, Taylor in, in in all of those ranges. Okay. He was pretty even, if not better than Swift. So when it comes to those things, he's right up there. All right, I'm gonna to go to college now. Here's something you didn't talk about, Vaughn much, and um, I guess we'll save a little bit of that for the head-to-head. But the impressive thing about Acres, just to talk about Acres, is when you look through all his stats and you look at it year by year, you see that Acres is doing this as as 18 year old in college, putting up ridiculous both numbers efficiencies rates and just just market share so he also got the opportunity he earned the work on his team and you can say however you want about talent on the team or whatever the fact is he went there he was recruited he's an 18 year old and he's putting up he's putting up man's numbers okay um the other thing is he only has 3 years and that's a good thing, because if you're good enough, you should only have three years because you should be an early declare. And the statistics bear that out. A lot of people folk like to focus on the actual age. And I know that's an argument I could try and make against Vaughn. we'll come back to that. It's I don't think it's so much age. I think the the real key there is not necessarily age, although that starts to become a factor sooner in the NFL, obviously. So when you're talking about dynasty OK, but I don't look at three year windows, especially not running backs. But the really the key point about being an early declare is just it means you're good enough to do it and good enough to be recognized by the NFL after only three years that you didn't have to do a senior year to put up the numbers to finally get the attention of the NFL. No, he knew he could come out and get drafted high. And he did. All right. We look at a lot of people, of course, if anyone knows anything about Acres, it always comes up about the offensive line, Florida State. It was terrible, so on and so forth. Um, I, I don't have much to say there. I think it's just fair that we know the offensive lines matter. Uh, we know that his numbers were still impressive, despite it. Um, a lot of people like to. A lot of people look at his yards per carry, and I think that's where it looks bad. But one thing I think we should look at is how good Cam Akers is actually in the receiving game. And it's been something I continually see overlooked when people are talking about Cam Akers. And the fact is his um, his yards per uh, attempt and so on are very good. His yards, a metric that you've heard Peter Howard on this podcast talking about and others that I'm incorporating into my own projections it means a little bit more for wide receivers obviously, but it can still be a good metric to look out for receiving backs and how good they are. It's yards per team pass attempts. So if your team has, for in NFL context, we're talking like 600 pass attempts or whatever. Mitch, you're gonna have to jump in and hear it sometimes if you wanna talk. So if you got like 600 pass attempts on the team, you take how many yards you scored and divide that by the, and that's your that's your number, okay? so. Akers has very good numbers in that, okay? Very, very good numbers in that. So that's why when it comes to his projections for the NFL, I feel so confident that he's going to be fine, even if, yeah, the Rams have a bad offensive line. He's used to that. Gurley had that same bad offensive line. He was still running back 14. And you said yourself a minute ago that the Rams had some of the fewest passes or targets to running backs. But that was just last year. That was to old and busted Todd Gurley. And he still was running back forty. What was he getting for targets the previous years when that offense was rolling? He was getting 70, 80 targets. All right? That's when we had good Todd Gurley getting involved in the passing game, and that's where I think Cam Akers is actually going to be just as useful as Todd Gurley. Um he may not be quite as good a down the middle runner and so on. But he's going to be involved in that passing game points are going to come in the NFL if they liked Daryl Henderson you don't draft another running back the next year even higher I don't know why people can't get this through their head it's like if if the Arizona Cardinals thought Josh Rosen was good they wouldn't have drafted Kyler Murray okay think of it in like that okay you don't you don't then turn around and say, No, we think Josh Rosen's really good. He could be our he could be our starting quarterback this year. No. No. Everyone knew he wasn't gonna be their starting quarterback. Of course it's Kyler Murray, because they took him even or sooner the next year.
1: So like here's one thing that I won't do. I will bash on Akers profile itself. As far as talent wise, you know, he's unbelievable. And I will be the first one to say if he was the guy that went to the Buccaneers. I would probably have him close to Swift. But running back situation probably matters more to me than what it probably matters to most people you have on the podcast. I mean, situation is so huge when it comes to running backs. I want running backs who are going to be on the field, who are going to see receiving work. And like you brought up already, the Rams didn't pass a lot last year, but they did previously. One big thing that we saw with the Rams last year is they changed their entire off well. I'll preface it by saying they changed a lot of their offense after their bye week last year. They switched to more 12 personnel in the rushing game. They didn't really do it in the passing game. I think that's way overblown right now. But as far as when they're running the ball, they played 12 personnel, one of the highest in the league. And so that's going to immediately help out the running back a little bit because you're going to have the tight end on the field instead of the slot wide receiver.
0: Yeah. 12 is the two tight ends, only one running back and two
1: wide receivers. Exactly. Yeah. It's a heavy package. So they have the 12 personnel there, but we did see them completely revamp the whole offense. And he's stuck with Jared Goff to at least until 2023. That's the first time they're going to be able to get out of that offense. Sad to say McVay was an offensive genius. He really was until the Patriots figured it out and everyone else plays what cover three against him. And it took him to the bye week in week 10 for him to finally go to 12 personnel to help him out a little bit. And then when you look at Goff offense and you get a look at a Tom Brady offense, which running back are you going to want? You're going to be able to have Tom Brady for the next two years, probably in Tampa Bay and give me the Keyshawn Vaughn with Tom Brady over Cam Akers with Jared Goff. I want that every single day of the week. And we could bring up the offensive lines about how, oh, hey, you know, Cam Akers had a bad offensive line at Florida State and he has a bad offensive line for the Rams. And so he's used to it. Offensive line play matters in the NFL. It is huge. If you have a bad offensive line as a running back, you're going to get killed. And the Rams don't have any cap room to improve it. They don't have any cap room next year to improve that offensive line. So this is going to continually be an issue over and over for them moving forward. And I just want no part of a running back that plays for the Los Angeles Rams. Just zero part. Well, look, you, you admitted yourself
0: the Gurley had been getting high target rates in the past. Well, who was throwing the ball? It was Goff. Okay, so I, I'm not going to compare Goff and Brady as far as targets to running backs. Uh, I'm not going to go there at all. I think that's completely erroneous, right? So what I can't figure out is why you're more confident in Vaughn getting a larger share of the work in Tampa Bay than you are with acres because to me what you were just talking about you're talking about how look they switched to 12 personnel and the, after the bye week and they went a little bit heavier to me that was because that was mostly because uh they were trying to save Gurley like they, like you said they just needed to open up more lanes uh, they were also using other guys like malcolm brown in there to me that's just overcompensation and if they continue to do that well that's great that's even better lanes for Cam Akers, but they can also like I was just talking about using him in the receiving game more. And that's not something that's something they really stopped doing with Gurley quite as much last year. It's something I think, I think my hypothesis is that they were hoping Daryl Henderson would be able to take up some of that. And he just wasn't able to do it. And so now we have a guy I think will be able to do that. Plus, I think he's just a better runner anyway. So he's just better in every single way across the board. He
1: he is, but one thing that the coach and GM have all said, that they're going to have a committee there. And that's something that I think is going to be an issue this year. I I do. Daryl Henderson, when he was on the field, he looked all right. He didn't look great. He looked all right. Um, Malcolm Brown last year, the Lions signed him to a contract. When he was restricted for agent, the Rams immediately went out there and, you know, accepted. I don't even know what you call it, but, you know, they pulled him back. They agreed to the contract that the Lions were going to give him. And Malcolm Brown is still going to see work. Daryl Henderson is going to see work. And I think Cam Akers is going to see work. The one thing I don't want is a three-headed backfield. That's the one thing I'll always try to stay away with. This whole running back by committee thing. Most teams are going to have running back by committees, and that's fine. But you just don't want one that's going to have three. And I think for 2020, the Rams are going to have three. When has McVay ever had a running back by committee? He tried it last year. Exactly. Realized... And it
0: was terrible. And they went out and drafted Akers. Come on. Yeah. Final round. I'll let you start. All right. Yeah, so Vaughn, I I mentioned it about how you should be good enough to come out after three years. When people bring that up and bring up the age, something most people counter with is, but he transferred. That's not his fault. He transferred, um, and it's because his second year there, um, I guess Lovey Smith didn't like him or something. Uh, I don't know, uh, and so he transferred. My what I. I'm not a big college guy either. And so when I first heard those arguments and I heard the counter, well, he transferred. That's the explanation. Oh, okay. So that's why he's a year younger. He had to sit out a year. Then I looked into it. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, he sat out a year and then he played two more years. So he had five years in college. He did play for four years. So the argument that he should be able to come out early, why is he so old? The the refutation about it being he had to transfer doesn't even make sense because he still played the four years.
1: Right. Are we going to hold this against Chuba Hubbard next year and Travis Etienne? Are we going to say the exact same thing about them because they're going back to their senior year when they could have came out this year?
0: Yeah, quite possibly I will. The only situation with them is uh, the best argument for Etienne or that I've heard is that it was just he's going to get drafted higher and get more make more money. It was a business decision kind of thing next year. Uh, because there was just so many other good running backs in this class also there was the the it, it debate over the CBA and if Ricky's just get higher wage scale for next year there's a lot of business decisions that go into that one specific none of those none of those apply if anything they apply in the opposite because Keyshawn Vaughn should have come out last year and he would have gotten drafted even higher because the running backs weren't great last year. Okay. We had a couple good ones at the top, and then David Montgomery, and then Man. Cliff, right? He could have been mm-hmm. there. He could have been the fourth running back drafted last year instead of the sixth this year. Was it the sixth? I know he's the sixth on my rank, but I seem to remember he was yeah, sixth he was the even sixth. in the NFL. Yeah. Yep. All right. So that's a point against. Either way you look at it, it's still a point against. And so that's my problem. He's old. He's not just now one year older. He's actually two years older because he also transferred age is going to count and as much as i don't count it in dynasty and we are kind of talking about this in a dynasty i know we we're talking about a redraft earlier but this is now in a dynasty context um it does matter but mostly for perception for trading okay to me and if i intend to keep him it doesn't matter that much acres is still young he did it young and he still is young and uh Look, you talk about landing spot. I know you love your landing spot uh, narrative and you're saying maybe you overweight that more than anyone. Look, I do my landing spot scoring before the NFL draft. I have very, very, uh, it's still subjective, but it's standardized at least, okay? I do my scoring. I don't know if you remember seeing them, but my number one total score, best spot was Tampa Bay Buccaneers, absolutely. 15 points out of a possible I don't know like 20 or something number two LA Rams 13 points even before and this was a lot of people didn't have the Rams there and I think even to this day a lot of people see the Rams and think oh bad offensive line all that stuff and they don't have the Rams as high as I did even going in and so I understand that, and I understand that's why a lot of people are were down on Acres. But when I saw Acres go to the Rams, to me that was a positive. As soon as it happened, and I know for a lot of people when they first saw it, it was actually negative, and a lot of people haven't been able to get over that. And I think it's just a misjudging of the situation, and not 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 misjudging the um, the importance of it. Sure, it's important. I think they are just over. And it's not a waiting issue. I think they just think it's going to be worse than it really is. I think it's actually going to be good. He's going to get the volume. He's going to get the work. He's going to be the starter. Vaughn? So you think week one, he's going to come in to be the starter? I don't know about week one. If I had to put my money on anyone, it actually would be Malcolm Brown over, over uh, Henderson. And I I've, kept, I've yeah. kept Brown around. He's going to be he's going to be the backup because it doesn't make sense. If you have a committee, you usually try to get complimentary guys. Right. So you try to get the, you know, the grinder and the the satellite or at least the all around guy who can do all of it. And then the guy who backs him up is usually the grinder. OK, and then you might have a third down specialist. OK, and we like I said, I think last year they wanted Henderson to be the receiving guy and they wanted they had Brown as the, the backup grinder and Gurley was the all around lead back. It doesn't make sense for Akers now to slip in as anything other than that all around back role. Um, He could possibly be the receiving guy, but now there's no other guy who can be an all around. Now you're going a true 50, 50 grinder and satellite, and it would be Akers and Brown. Henderson isn't even in in the top two then anymore. And now people love to still bring up Henderson, but it just doesn't make sense. The only, the only situation that has Henderson involved, is if he is the third down receiving back and Akers is the main, and sometimes Henderson will get in there over Brown. But otherwise, the best, most sensical complementary setup is Akers as the lead back and Malcolm Brown coming in here and there.
1: You know, something else that we haven't even brought up yet that I probably should have brought up earlier for Vaughn, to be honest with you, is just look at the teams that they're playing against as well. You have where the Rams have to go against the 49ers, they go against the Seahawks, you know. That division is really tough. The one great thing about the NFC South, you want players from the NFC South, at least this year and probably next year as well. I mean, the Saints are going to put up a ton of points. The Falcons are going to put up a lot of points. You know, it's just something that we could plan on each week. We could see a shootout every single week in that division. And I agree. the Bucs probably have the best defense in that division, you know. They did very, very well last year as soon as they cleaned up the back end. You know, the first six weeks, they were awful. But then, I can't remember what happened, but they flipped a couple defensive players, and they were awesome after that. And when you get those high shootouts, that's something that is really important. You know, I bring it up with Dak Prescott all the time in the NFC East. You want the guys that are in the division that are going to score a lot of points. You don't want the guys that are in the AFC North who you know, who are just going to play tough defenses all the time. And that's something that the NFC West, NFC doesn't have a lot of really good defenses. But the NFC West has, you know, probably the top two defenses in the, you know, in the whole NFC.
0: And to me, that says that, yeah, Akers is going to be involved in the passing game because you are going to have to be. They can't just grind it against those defenses. And on the other side, I would say for Vaughn, if they're in shootouts, I'm not sure the running backs involved. They have those receiving options. That was kind of goes back to what I said before that they're going to be throwing the ball and it's going to be to the other targets. It's not going to be to to the
1: running back. They used the running backs last year though, even when they were playing catch up that pretty much all season long when Jameis Winston was putting them behind in every single game. They used the running backs 13th most in the league. And that was with Jameis Winston who is throwing, you know, with the most air yards. So I definitely think You know, with Tom Brady there now, you know, not Captain Checkdown, but someone who really likes to throw to running backs and tight ends. I definitely want, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn there. And I'm
0: not sure. Look, I've watched Tom Brady my entire football watching career. I mean, that was he's the man. I don't know if we know who Tom Brady is and what he likes to throw as well as we think we do. I, I think I think he's really excited. I think he picked this team not because he wants to check it down to running backs. He picked this team because he wants to throw it all over the place to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And now he's got his buddy Gronk. Okay, I don't think and maybe the other guys get involved in the slot too. You got Justin Watson. You got maybe Scotty Miller. There's options there. They drafted Tyler Johnson. I love that guy later in drafts. Amazing value in rookie drafts. I don't Think he wants to throw it to the running back it doesn't mean he won't a normal usual amount I just don't see that being a key part of the game I think that he they he's going to be more uh, efficient he's going to make smarter decisions th- than Winston did so we're not going to see a 5100 yards but I think we can see 45 and we can see just as many touchdowns at the same time because it's going to be more efficient. There's going to be less turnovers. They're going to be having to score, but I don't think they're going to be having to get out of a deficit quite as much. And so it's not going to be that pressure, and they're not going to have to be forced to use it even as much as they did. So that's why I say Vaughn, I I can't do him. Between the two, even from a value perspective, why are you taking Vaughn before Cam
1: Akers? Okay, so... In a rookie draft, yeah. this is all right. So I've actually never taken Vaughn above Acres, but the reason why there's this really weird thing to He's where you I conceded. No, hold on. You put your rankings out right, and I have Vaughn ranked above Acres, and I have him ranked above Judy. I have him ranked above Lamb. I have him ranked above all these guys, because it doesn't mean I'm going to take him at the 106 in every single draft. It means I have him ranked higher. So if I have the pick at 108, if I have the pick at 109. That's going to be my pick there. And so that's how you end up having, you know, over 50% shares of a running back because you have him higher than consensus does. And so you end up getting more shares where people aren't willing to take him until the 201. You take him at the 109. You take him at the 1010. And that's end up how you end up getting more shares. But Akers, I only have, I had one share of him, draft him in a league before, you know, I really thought about it. And I traded him immediately afterwards. Like I said before, I don't want running backs that system right now. I don't have faith in McVay being this coaching genius anymore. They figured him out last last year. Well, really the Patriots figured him out, then everyone copycatted. That's the huge thing this league is we get these really good we had it with Kaepernick. We had it with, you know, the rushing running backs for a while. Is to where it takes the defenses two years to catch up with these, you know, offensive geniuses is what we call them. And then they come slamming back to earth really quick as soon as the defense catches up with them. And I'm not sure if Sean McVay is going to be the guy that's willing to completely change his offense and go away from the 11 personnel and go to 12 personnel. And I don't have faith in him doing it to where I know Bruce Arian's system works. It worked in Arizona, and it's obviously working in Tampa Bay as far as fantasy points are concerned. That's all that I care about. But I don't have faith in McVay being willing to... Completely change everything that he's done because I do think that the defensive got up to him now.
0: Well, I think there's two. I, I mean, I agree, I would put it the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as far as fantasy value. How could you, how can I argue that uh, over the Rams? But as far as mcvegas goes, I think there's a couple evidences that he is and it already has changed. When I mean, we said ourselves, they changed things up after the buy. Now he's had a whole offseason. And what has he done? My second piece of evidence is, what has he done this off season? They went ahead and traded away Brandon Cooks. So clearly uh, they're planning on going ahead without him. And they don't have three top wide receivers, at least on the depth chart in mind. And the third could emerge. Josh Reynolds could step up and do more than we've seen from him in the past. Van Jefferson, Van,
1: Van Jefferson, smashing the third round of Ollie rookie drafts, guys, absolute smash. Let's see where I got him.
0: Yeah, no, I'm good with that. I have him at the early, early third. I think he's one of those guys. Side sidebar guys. Uh, I think he's one of these 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 low ceiling, but like very refined guys who can come in and be used and. and Get, get into the game and play very quickly
1: he needs then, to as well because he's old because i think he's 24 already he, he's old he's
0: a coach's son he's got all of these cliche you know all these tropes going for him right um but i don't think he has the ceiling so he's kind of one of these guys that yeah you go ahead and get he can get in there and get some good games and then in, in dynasty as soon as he has those good games you trade him trade him away get a second <laughs> if you could the optimal result from drafting van jefferson is being able to trade him for a second in the future anyway sidebar between these two guys i understand what you're saying about you how you you are valuing vaughn higher even though in a true draft order you you would read the draft but in a situation where you don't think you can trade back in right and you're at the 108 and acres and vaughn are both there are you then taking Vaughn over Akers? I'm taking Vaughn.
1: Yeah. I mean there might okay. like I said, there was that draft earlier in the year where I might have ended up taking Akers over Vaughn. Yeah. But as far as now, as far as looking at everything everything moving forward, I want Vaughn. I want the running back in that Tampa Bay offense. You know, we've seen that Bruce Arians has said is he wants the back that could be on the field. The whole time. That's what he's looking for. Then he went out and drafted Keyshawn Vaughn immediately after saying that. So he is looking for that guy. So that is in Vaughn's range of outcomes. That's something that he can be moving forward. And especially if we're looking at this dynasty-wise, if I'm taking a guy at 110 or 111 or 108, and he could, you know, which would end up being a 7th or 8th round pick in a startup draft, I want the guy who has a chance of being that second rounder next year. And I think Vaughn has the best chance outside of, you know, Dobbins and Taylor.
0: And see, this is where I really have to strongly disagree with you when you're looking at your rankings and you say that they're how you value them, not necessarily how you're drafting them. To me, that's even worse because you have acres at like the 201. So you don't just have him behind Vaughn. You have him behind a bunch of these other even receivers, which is... I have him behind the three big wide receivers. I do. And I have Vaughn right behind the three big receivers. And my three... Actually, we, we may or may not disagree on the three big receivers. But, um, spoiler, Judy's not one.
1: Um, And nope. so... <laughs> okay. I got killed for that, too. Man, having him at the 201, that wasn't a good day for me.
0: Yeah, Jerry Judy is my 201. I agree. Um. Yeah, just lacking a little bit of the confidence factors there. But how can you have K-Makers... I'm sorry, if if I if I was as confident as you are about Keyshawn Vaughn, I'm taking him mm-hmm. at the
1: 106, 107. Because you don't need to. That's the thing, is you don't need to take him there.
0: Yeah, but how many, yeah if you can orchestrate it just right and trade, make, make the perfect trade, make the perfect moves. But I'm saying if you're there, you're on the clock, and you've got... Vaughn or these receivers who are you taking
1: I take Vaughn exactly so why are you having Acres all the way back behind these guys too because I'm not going to take Acres over those guys as I've said before I don't want the running back for the Rams I don't and this isn't about Acres himself this is about the situation
0: because it's been so bad these past three years it's been such a terrible it's been so bad having the running back for the Rams these last three years <laughs> Don't want him, right? It
1: was last year. I mean, no, are we really saying that Cam Akers is next Tom Gurley, Todd Gurley?
0: No, Gurley was only bad last year because of what you had to pay for him.
1: He was pretty discounted last year, too.
0: Yeah, because everyone freaked out about him.
1: It was pretty disc. It was going like the fourth round. And he ended up being, you know, season long. He ended up being okay. 14. Yeah, he was okay. I mean, David Montgomery beat him out, I think no decent I guess he finished 12th I think we'll have to double t- we will have
0: to, have to fact t- check t- these t- statements yes because I do not believe Montgomery finished ahead of both Sanders and Josh Jacobs who were 13 of uh 15 and 16 or something in there
1: I'm pretty sure Montgomery's is was... yeah I'm pretty sure I'm wrong on that one now thinking about it it was a wide receiver running back comparison I did a couple weeks ago and I don't remember what it was now man yeah I, I can't do it uh so it, it really sounds like we have Vaughn and Acres flipped. It's exactly how we have it. You have Akers above the three wide receivers and you have Vaughn below them. I have Akers ahead of Dobbins
0: and Swift too. He's my one oh five if I had to like actually draft. In a super flex, I would take him. But he's in a in a in a one quarterback, he's my my third. I took him at the one oh four in one of my my have a thirty two team league. It's only one quarterback then. And uh, I traded uh, Cortland Sutton straight up for the uh, 104 and took Cam Akers.
1: Oh, that's having faith in your guy right now. I don't know about that. I mean, I'm not even a Sutton guy at all because I hate Drew Locke more than anything in the world. But I had the 101. I took Jonathan Taylor. So now I've got Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, and Cam
0: Akers. It's decent. In a 32 team, league, it's pretty good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> It'd be much better if you had Keyshawn Vaughn, though. If you had Keyshawn Vaughn, you could just write, your check, write yourself the check for the championship right now
0: oh right right no i can't do it man here here's a question for you mm-hmm. risk we have to you're, we love the upside we agree tampa bay offense if he gets the job and aaron's likes him and he stays in there okay i get it upsides there risk mm-hmm. as much as maybe acres is a little bit tied up in and we're talking dynasty here so it's not going to be just next year I'm talking about next year, next offseason, trading these players, drafting these players, 2021, who has the best year in 2021. Is there not a risk much higher for Keyshawn Vaughn that he's
1: just a better Peyton Barber? Could happen. Without a doubt, I won't disagree with that. But, okay, I I look at everything in super flex terms because I haven't done a one quarterback draft and I literally can't remember four years ago at this point. I have no idea, so I can't even tell you what the real values are in those drafts. But (sighs) Keyshawn Vaughn, like, he could fail. Without a doubt, he could fail. But as as smart as we like to act like we are with these first-round rookie picks, five of them are probably going to be crap in three years. I mean, odds are, and if this is a really good draft, maybe only four of them are crap in, you know, in four years. And so odds are, we're going to miss on some. And when you're drafting at the end of the first round where you're getting Acres and you're getting Vaughn, you could end up busting out. That's something that we know is going to be able to happen. But with Vaughn, he has the opportunity this year to exceed the value, and you could immediately sell him next year in Dynasty. And that's what I want to do with these running backs. Especially, You brought up his age. I don't worry about his age because with rookies, I want the first four years of their deal after that, I could care less what happens to them, And more than likely, I'm trading him before those four years are over. All right, Mitch. We we absolutely do
0: in fake football fights. Um, the point is to have a winner, just so everyone's clear here. that we, we don't do any of this like, oh, okay, well, I guess I can see your side. No, um, Mitch is wrong. You should draft Akers. I'm right. Over Vaughn. And Don't history take will Jared tell. Goff running back. I am the undefeated champion of the fake football <laughs> fight. I've had many challengers. I had a, uh, well, I, I have one draw. What is that? I'm not a big, really, I'm not actually a big boxing expert. I'm not sure how they score that, but I haven't been defeated. Split um, decision. Yeah, uh, Stompy and I decided to call Alex Collins versus J- Javoris Allen a draw
1: yeah that's a tough one
0: we don't talk about that so other than that undefeated we'll see i have to have you back mitch next off season, i'll have to have you back maybe we can even do it in the season have an update and then definitely next off season, have you in it, check up on it and uh look at the numbers and see who was right
1: sounds good man thank
0: you for having me on i really
1: appreciate it all right quick tell everyone uh where they can find you i mentioned it already but so I'm on the Dynasty Theory podcast, and then you can reach out to me at DinoMC on Twitter, and you can give me all the Vaughn hate that you want, because I'll just keep drafting him. You heard him, but don't don't actually listen to him.